Hi, you're listening to the Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today for episode 205, are you looking for an easy Bitcoin multi-signature wallet that doesn't require an Electrum server, or perhaps one with support for different Bitcoin hardware wallets and a different interface? Well, for this episode, we're speaking with Stepan Snijurev and Ben Kaufman. This show brought to you by swanbitcoin.com, the best place to auto stack your Bitcoin in the US with incredibly easy setup and low fees. I personally appreciate that Swan is Bitcoin only and is dedicated to Bitcoin education. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash Levera to get $10 of free Bitcoin when you start stacking with Swan. And Swan has some news to share. They've had massive demand for daily buys since the day they launched the service. One of the big positives of regular recurring buys is smoothing out price volatility. So buying daily will catch those dips even better than buying weekly. There are a limited number of spots in the Swan Daily Buys beta. So head over to swanbitcoin.com slash daily buys to get into the beta. That's swanbitcoin.com slash daily buys. This show also brought to you by Unchained Capital, Bitcoin native financial services. Unchained Capital are providing multi-signature and Bitcoin-backed loans, and they're really doing it in a way that respects the not-your-keys, not-your-coins ethos of Bitcoin. So if you're thinking about your Bitcoin security, why not go from zero to multi-sig with Unchained? Or if you're sitting on a single-signature hardware wallet, this is another option for you. They are offering the Vault Concierge onboarding package, where you can get a guided setup call and have hardware wallet devices mailed out to you. So the price ranges from $1,500, which includes two hardware wallets, down to $1,000 just for the setup assistance and this includes a thousand dollars in the vault use code lavera for a discount and don't forget to check out parker lewis's series gradually then suddenly available on the website go to unchained-capital.com to find out more stepan and ben welcome to the show uh thank you thank you stefan very nice to be here again yeah, thank you for inviting me. Stepan, I know you've been on the show twice before, but uh, perhaps just for any listeners who are a little bit newer, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, we are uh, doing... A, well, originally uh, I came from quantum physics into Bitcoin and uh, started working on uh, hardware stuff mostly. Uh, and yeah, now it uh, looks like we have both the desktop app and the hardware wallet uh, that we are working on. And currently, me and Morris are running a small company, a startup uh, that is working on these products and uh, also the enterprise solution. Awesome. And Ben, let's hear a little bit from you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with the Spectre project. Uh, yeah, so I'm just yeah, I'm a software developer. Um, Occasionally contributing to some open source Bitcoin projects for like the past year or so, I think. Um, and I just stumbled upon uh, a video of Stepan uh, setting up a multisig on Twitter with uh, with Spectre. Uh, I I've been looking for something like that, uh, like connecting uh, a Bitcoin full node with, with multisigs for quite some time, um, and with hardware wallets in general. But I couldn't really find anything that worked very well, that was convenient. Uh, but for the first time, this was like something that just worked for me, uh, really easy. So I kind of just started using it. And whenever I wanted a new feature, I just started writing it myself and editing that. Uh, and from like small contributions, like uh, avoiding address reuse, for example, or labeling uh, UTXOs, uh, just stuff that I needed. I just continued contributing um, more and more often. 
Excellent. And so we're going to talk about Spectre Desktop today. So maybe, Stepan, can you just tell us a little bit about why why did you start this project? Why are you making it? Um, yeah, sure. So we started it a year ago, I think, uh, roughly. Uh, and uh, the main reason was that first, uh, I actually needed a wallet that would work with uh, our hardware wallet. Uh, and uh, I was thinking that, okay, it's nice to use uh, Bitcoin Core for that. And uh, as we were uh, from the very start uh, working on the multi-signature supports, we also wanted other signers. Uh, so the very first version of Spectre Desktop uh, was uh, the GUI that was only working with uh, Spectre DIY and cold cards. So only uh, AirGet hardware wallets. Uh, and uh, then people actually started contributing and we got an integration uh, with HWI, uh, the hardware wallet interface uh, by Andrew Chow, uh, and we instantly got uh, support for all hardware wallets that are out there. Yeah, so the uh, main idea is that, uh, okay, I want to run my own full node and Bitcoin Core is uh, very powerful in that sense, uh, but it is not very convenient to work uh, with it, especially with hardware wallets. So uh, the goal of Spectre Desktop is uh, to kind of close this uh, this gap and actually provide a convenient uh, user interface for hardware wallets to Bitcoin Core. And the main focus is uh, on the multi-signature and on the multi-signature with, with actually hardware wallets. So uh, we have uh, less problems with the security because we are only like a, a small coordinator app that is uh, in between this uh, uh, kind of uh, very well-tested and uh, powerful tools, um, Bitcoin Core and HWI. I see. Yeah. So I guess just for listeners who, if, you, if you're not as clear what's going on here, so some of the discussion is around how can we leverage Bitcoin Core as much as possible, because let's say that code base has been well reviewed uh, and use uh, get a multi-signature setup going in a way that's easy for the user, but is minimal in the sense that it's mostly pushing most of the kind of the heavy lifting over to Bitcoin Core. But then how do you do it with your own Bitcoin node for if you want to have your own privacy or if you want to be doing your own verification? Um, so I suppose that's that's kind of the focus. Um, so, Ben, did you want to just tell us a little bit, what does it look like if I try to set it up and use it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sure. So first of all, you just set up a, a Bitcoin Core full node. Uh, it can be on, on a laptop. It can be on a Raspberry Blitz or my node uh, or whatever. Um, but just uh, setting that up. Um, after that, you can, right now we're working on uh, very simple like desktop apps, which you can just install normally. Um, we're very close to, to finishing that. Um, but for now you just, uh, you have like executables which you can uh, run on your computer and it will just run Spectre desktop uh, as a server on your machine. Um, yeah, and then you can start uh, using it like uh, by adding um, your your devices, your hardware wallets. So you can connect to your computer, uh, your Trezor, your Ledger, um, use your cold card in AirGapt or directly with your computer. Basically, we support all major hardware wallets. Um, we support AirGapt devices uh, like Electrum in on your mobile phone on your own an, an air computer or so. Um, 
basically you just need to extract the, the pub keys, uh, the public keys uh, of your of your device, uh, and import them into Spectre. Um, so we can do that automatically for uh, non-airgap devices or for airgap devices. You can just uh, either scan a QR code if the device supports it, um, or whatever. Like um, it depends on the device you use. Uh, but then after uh, setting up your devices on Spectre, you can start just uh, playing with them, creating uh, multi-sigs with them, whatever setups you want. Uh, two or three, three or uh, three or five. Um, you can do like just single uh, wallets. You can do um, basically whatever you want. Uh, it's quite flexible, I think. Um, yeah, and just once you have wallet set up, you can start receiving funds. Uh, you can start sending funds. Uh, all signing is uh, taking place on the devices which you're using. So if you're using uh, a Howl wallet, you just connect it to your computer and uh, Spectre communicates with it. Or if you're using an AirGap device, you can, uh, for example, Spectre do it yourself. You can just scan the transaction with QR scanner um, and then scan it back on your computer uh, to sign it. Um, yeah, and that's that's it basically. Uh, yeah, maybe I can uh, add a few things. Uh, so um, uh, currently we uh, have uh, like uh, we support different setups. Uh, so you can run Bitcoin Core uh, on the remote machine. Uh, you can connect your uh, Spectre desktop that is on local machine to the remote machine. Uh, or you can run both of them on the remote machine and then you uh, run another instance of Spectre desktop, but in this uh, HWI bridge uh, on your computer. So, and also Bitcoin Core itself can be either a full node uh, or a prune node. So for example, what I do, I run Spectre on the cheap, together with the Bitcoin Core on the cheap VPS server. So I just bought like a server that is five bucks per month uh, and it is extremely pruned. So it just takes 10 gigabytes uh, of space uh, and I'm using it to watch my funds, prepare the transactions. And then whenever I need to, to do the transaction, I can either use AirGet hardware wallets to sign it, or I can use this HWI bridge mode uh, to communicate with my hardware wallets that are connected to, to my laptop. And so it's uh, pretty convenient, uh, I would say. And uh, currently we have support also of Raspberry Blitz and MyNode. So uh, the guys who are maintaining these projects uh, actually uh, integrated it. So I think that on Raspberry Blitz, it's just single click installation and uh, Kim uh, implemented that. And uh, MyNode, uh, I think it is on like premium package, whatever it means. And uh, it is also also can be installed pretty easily. Yep. And so I guess just to put it into context for listeners who might not be familiar in the space, people who want to do multi-signature and if they're not really at an advanced level, then usually it's, you know, the usual choice for people is to use a guided provider. So such as my sponsor, Unchained Capital or Casa. And then now in terms of non you know if you want to do it yourself probably up until now the main option that people have done is electrum um, but now we're starting to see some of these other options that come up so obviously spectre desktop is one of the ones that looks promising uh, also there is unchained capitals caravan which is also by yeah, again unchained capital are my sponsor but they offer caravan which is like a way to 
also do it yourself. And also there's Lily Wallet by Kevin Mulcrone as well, which is also another promising project as well. So I guess, could you guys just tell us a little bit about how you see Spectre Desktop as compared to some of the other options out there, let's say versus say Electrum or, or any of the others? Yeah, so Electrum, for example, it either connects to remote servers and then you don't have your own full node and you give up the privacy. Uh, or you need to run an Electrum personal server or Electros. Uh, so, for example, Electros, it takes uh, like 20% uh, more space comparing to a normal Bitcoin core. Basically, none of these uh, options actually rely on the wallet functionality on, of Bitcoin core. But yeah, uh, Electrum works fine. So I tried it with hardware wallets and they also support like uh, very many hardware wallets. The only problem is that I cannot just run simple Bitcoin core without any uh, like extra load on top of that. Comparing to Caravan, Caravan supports only Trezor and uh, Ledger. I Ledger. Think. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, I think that every time when you sign a transaction with a Trezor, you actually need to go to their website to confirm that or something. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but uh, basically, Caravan is a very interesting tool. Uh, too bad that there are not uh, very many hardware wallet supports. Uh, and uh, Lily Wallet, I can't really say anything. I didn't try it. Sure. Um, and I suppose part of this also, it comes to how do you make it easy for the user who is not so technical because obviously the number of technical users it's probably less than five percent of the overall population if you will and so one of the barriers for many people is that they have to install different libraries for example with electrum if they want to use linux they've got to make sure they go and install these different like the udev rules and so on there's, there's kind of a bit of configuration involved so can you just tell us a little bit about when you're setting up with spectre desktop how does that compare from a setup perspective and how technical is it? And I, and I can also understand that it might be kind of more technical now, but you're planning to make it easier for people as well. So it's more like a GUI and a double click and install sort of thing. Uh, yeah. So right now we are just finalizing the uh, proper desktop app, which can be installed uh, normally like any other one. So we already have it for, um, for Mac OS and almost ready for Linux and like pretty much halfway for Windows. Um, so I, I hope this will be like, at least the, the Mac and the Linux uh, will be out until this uh, episode airs. Um, but currently uh, what we already have uh, ready for all platforms is an executable, which you can just um, download on your computer and just double click and it will run everything. Um, but it, uh, like in the past, you had to install it through, um, Python through pip, um, if you know about that. So it was a bit more complicated, uh, but, uh, like right now it's quite simple already and going to be like, like any other normal desktop app, uh, very, very soon. Yeah, at the moment it actually uh, launches the terminal, so you uh, always have this terminal window uh, popping up and printing debug stuff, so that's not very nice. And Windows, uh, oh my god, Windows is uh, always uh, causing plenty of problems. So we actually started packaging it mostly because of the Windows uh, setup, because even installing Python is a nightmare there. And so one of the big features that 
you, you guys are building with Spectre Desktop is that you have more of a focus around using unsigned PSBT, partially signed Bitcoin transactions, and also the use of QR codes as well. So listeners, if you haven't already, make sure you listen to episode 97 with my friend Michael Flaxman, who spells out some of the reasons why we care about some of these aspects. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about uh, the HWI aspect also and in, and also which devices are supported inside Spectre Desktop? Mm-hmm. So right now we're supporting pretty much all major devices. So Trezor, Buff One and T, uh, Cold Card, KeepKey, Ledger, um, Electrum as an air gapped mode. Uh, we even support Bitcoin Core uh, as a hot wallet. So we don't really recommend using a hot wallet, um, but we also support that. Uh, we also support Spectre Do-It-Yourself, of course, and Kobo, which is uh, another air gapped uh, device using uh, QR codes, uh, which is fairly new. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much the devices we're supporting. Uh, soon also, uh, Bitbox 2 will be added to hardware wallet integration. There is an open PR for that uh, there. And once it's added, it's just uh, like a few minutes of work for us to add it also to Spectre. Uh, so we can easily support that as well uh, very soon. Um, so yeah, uh, just how the wallet integration uh, handles most of the heavy lifting with communicating with the hardware wallets uh, for us. Um, and working and uh, AirGap devices, uh, they're all uh, supporting PSPT, uh, which if anybody doesn't know is just partially signed Bitcoin transaction. It is a standard way to uh, use and interact and pass around a, a Bitcoin transaction for signing between devices. Uh, so yeah, all um, Spectre uses uses that uh, for everything. Uh, hardware wallet integration uses that. Bitcoin Core uses that. Um, all AirGap devices are using it. The uh, Trezor and Ledger and uh, other um, devices which are uh, connected directly to your to your um, laptop doesn't really use that exactly, like not natively. But hardware wallet inter- uh, interface uh, of Andrew Cho like parses that, so we don't really need to worry about that as well. So everything just uses PSPT. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely the way uh, it looks like everything is going towards a PSBT future, which is uh, ho- hopefully making it a little bit easier for for well for software developers and for hardware uh, develop hardware creators as well uh, to make wallets that can pass around the information to each other in a way that's easy for it for them to understand what they're sort of saying i guess and for the listener who is you know using your hardware wallet to keep your private key secure well then the psbt is how you can pass that information from say your spectre desktop to your cold card or to your cobra vault or etc to sign um and, and also it's interesting you mentioned around cross compatibility so you mentioned there that you might even have um, Electrum can actually be part of your quorum of keys for Spectre Desktop. Um, uh, is there any other aspects around cross-compatibility there you wanted to touch on? Uh, yeah, sure. So what we currently have, for example, we can uh, we have also been working with uh, Fully Noted, which is an iOS app for interacting with your full node. Uh, so we have been working with them on compatibility. So you can both use that as a signing device, if I remember correctly, and you can 
import and export uh, wallets from Spectre uh, over there to watch them over there as well, uh, and vice versa. Uh, we also are planning to add support uh, to import and export uh, elect uh, to Electrum. So you don't just use it as a signing device. You can also, if you for some reason want to use that as your wallet software, you can uh, migrate easily or migrate from there to Spectre. Uh, and the same, hopefully, for Carbon as well. Uh, we just need to, we still need to check that, but uh, yeah, that we're planning to. Um, yeah, so the important thing here is that uh, it would be very nice to have cross-compatibility with different software such that if something breaks in Spectre desktop and, you know, during the development we sometimes introduce bugs or whatever happens during the update, uh, you shouldn't be uh, locked out of your funds, right? So you, you should still have access to your funds. So ideally, you could just uh, install Electrum and uh, import uh, the wallet and use it there, uh, or just keep it uh, just in case. So like normally you use Spectre Desktop, for example, but you know if something, something breaks, then you can always fire up uh, Electrum and use that to sign, uh, to sign the transaction to send the funds. Uh, and uh, also other way around, so if people decide to migrate from Electrum to Spectre Desktop, it should be uh, as easy as uh, importing a wallet file. So just on the idea of working without having an Electrum server as well, so we were touching on this, so I guess typically people who want to do this, they might have to, it, it takes additional computing power, hard drive space and so on. How how is it working here? Where you, you you're, you're you're basically doing the same. You're doing a similar function, but without having an Electrum server. How's that working? Yeah. So uh, Electrum server, what it normally does, uh, it creates. A, um, uh, so first, it requires a Bitcoin Core uh, to run with uh, TX index, such that you can actually look up uh, all the transactions. Uh, and uh, also, uh, Electrus, for example, uh, creates uh, an address index. So you can look up transactions and uh, balances for any address. Uh, and uh, in principle, well, you don't care about all other addresses out there. You only care about your own addresses. Uh, and Bitcoin Core wallet functionality uh, already provides uh, all these features. So uh, the uh, only uh, drawback here is that if you're importing a very old wallet where you have plenty of transactions, then you don't then you need to rescan. So uh, you still can use just a bare uh, Bitcoin Core without any uh, extra flex like TX index or. A, a, additional indexing uh, but uh, if you're importing an old wallet then you need to wait for uh, I don't know depending on your computer but it can be even hours to rescan full blockchain to actually see your balance uh, so this is uh, the problem but you don't import wallets very often right so once you actually set everything up uh, then you just use uh, wallet functionality available in Bitcoin Core. Great. And also wondering whether you would look at or consider light clients using, say, like compact block filters, the BIP 157, 158 style or any other style of uh, light client. Uh, yeah, we we are open to that. I mean, we will look into that, but I think like more in the future, uh, like it's definitely not going to be available short term. Um, and anyway, personally, I would not really recommend light clients. I think full nodes are more secure and uh, generally better. 
but we will be open to look at about something like neutrino, as you said. I think it can uh, make sense in some uh, in some scenarios, um, and it it's not. Uh, I think it's a good compromise uh, if you can't have a Bitcoin full node. Uh, but right now we already support just prune, uh, pruned Bitcoin nodes as well. So you can, it takes like, what, uh, 10 gigabytes maybe, which is definitely not terrible for like any desktop, I think, or at least most desktops. So I think, uh, I think for now this is not something very uh, important. Uh, but we we are open to that. I mean, we will check that once we have uh, we have the time. Also, just uh, on the topic of um, building your own hardware wallet. So, Stepan, you mentioned a little bit earlier around the Spectre DIY, which was the uh, one of the projects that you're doing at Crypto Advance. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that interrelates in with Spectre Desktop? Um, yeah, so uh, I already mentioned that uh, we started all that just to get integration for uh, Spectre DIY. Uh, so the idea there is uh, that uh, we want to have a hardware wallet that have a completely different security model uh, compared to normal hardware wallets. And one of them is that uh, we want to avoid a supply chain attack. Uh, so we actually... Um, design it to uh, be able to build it from off-the-shelf components. So you just go to your local electronic store uh, or you shop online, like a general purpose uh, uh, microcontroller developer board and the QR code scanner, and then you just put it all together, uh, put the firmware there, and it just works. And uh, yeah, it is air-gapped. Uh, it uh, does work with um, PSBT natively. It uh, works with uh, wallet descriptors uh, natively. Uh, so not not full support of all the descriptors, but like the most common ones. Uh, and um, in principle, I think that it can evolve into something uh, nice in the future. Uh, but at the moment, uh, I think it's really like a project for tinkerers and uh, maybe for developers that want to try out uh, new interesting things because we are not also working into anything. So uh, like an experimental platform, I would say. All right. Yeah. So, and also I wanted to just dig a little bit deeper into the Spectre desktop app as well. So wanted to talk through a little bit, some of the features that uh, are there. So I've seen just from reading some of the documentation, I've seen you have uh, coin selection there um, and you've got labeling as well. So can you tell us a little bit around how those are done and what, what's happening with those? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're just basically taking advantage of uh, existing features in Bitcoin Core and making them uh, easily usable. So Bitcoin Core already like allows you to do coin selection, allows you to manage labels. Um, everything you can do through the uh, RPC, which this is how we interact with the Bitcoin Core. Uh, so yeah, we're just trying to take advantage of all the important features, uh, first of all, of Bitcoin Core and of, of the hardware wallet. So coin selection, uh, I think it's uh, quite important. Uh, it just means that you can choose which uh, UTXOs you want to, to spend uh, in a certain transaction. Um, labeling allows you to manage, better manage the, the UTXOs uh, and understand like what address you are sending to or what address you are receiving to, like uh, the description, uh, where it came from. So you can better manage your privacy, uh, first of all, and just your, your funds as well. 
Um, besides that, we also support like uh, dynamic or manual like fee um, fee settings. So if you want to adjust for better confirmation times or you just want to do it like manually, uh, whatever you, you choose. Uh, we recently added, for example, also uh, on sending transactions, you can send now batch transactions uh, to save gas. So basically just instead of sending, uh, if you want to send like five transactions to five different people, uh, like to an exchange, to cut like um, a service provider, uh, et cetera, you can just do it all in one transaction. You just input uh, the amount you want to send to each of the addresses uh, you want to send to. Uh, and everything uh, is going through in one transaction, uh, which is uh, usually better for for fees and for privacy. Um, besides that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think uh, as an example, you might be, let's say, you're running a Bitcoin business and you need to do payroll and pay out the employees, and you could batch that transaction, let's say, um, to uh, to the different people and then it's all in one transaction so there's a fee saving there although obviously they would then have to think about privacy and so on but that's a potential saving there um but yeah tell us about as well about um address verification so i understand that's something you're looking at um and i understand that's also quite difficult depending on which hardware device we are talking about mm-hmm. yeah so for example ledger is probably the worst in that so it doesn't allow for verification of multi-sig addresses at all, uh, which we can't really solve because this is something in the ledger firmware uh, itself. Uh, but for all other wallets, we uh, just very recently finished uh, allowing full like um, uh, verification on the device. So we added that to hardware wallet integration as well. Uh, so. Currently, we, we allow verifying on Trezor, on KeepKey, um, Spectre do-it-yourself, obviously, uh, on cold card. Um, we, allow, we support uh, change verification. So when you're sending a, trans- a multi-sig transaction, uh, you also want to make sure that the change uh, address that you're using uh, is generated from the same XPubs that the um, that your wallet is using, that your multisig is composed of. So you're not sending to a malicious address, uh, uh, to a malicious like multisig, uh, if for example, someone switched the, the public keys. So we want to make sure that the address you're sending to the, the change is correct. So we just added a verification of that on Trezor and uh, KeepKey. And it's already available also on cold card. Um, so yeah, I think the address verification is quite important as you, of course, the, the entire purpose of uh, using hardware wallets is not to trust the computer you're using it from, uh, that you assume it is compromised. So we finished basically adding all verification for all major wallets, uh, basically all of the wallets that we support except Ledger, which doesn't allow that. Uh, but for all the others, we are already supporting address verification. So you can verify everything on the device itself. Uh, so even if your computer is compromised, you can make sure uh, you, you're you using it trustlessly, basically. Yeah. All right. So just to replay that, because that was probably a bit much for people to follow if they're a bit newer. So what's going on is if you're doing a Bitcoin transaction, generally speaking, you want to look at your hardware device to check the address that you are either spending to 
or you know or that you're checking uh, like for a receive address and so this is a feature where you would before you um uh, yeah spend to a particular address or you're receiving it, it shows you on the device and so you're checking that address on the device to make sure um just in case something so there's some malware or there's some you know hack or attacker on in terms of your desktop or your laptop computer the hardware wallet should be able to pick it out and then that other point point was around there are some attacks that basically try to trick you and basically have the change go to an address that you don't necessarily control and so this is a feature where you can try to figure out i guess your hardware wallet is trying to figure out yes, I own or I have the private key that allows me to spend from this change address. Would you say that's a fair summary? Uh, yes. Also, like for the latter part uh, about the change, I think what's also important is not just that you have uh, the private key needed uh, on the hardware wallet, but also that the cosigners didn't change. So the other uh, public keys didn't change uh, by an attacker. Yeah. So in that example, it would be something like, you know, let's say I, I don't know, maybe if I'd set up like a quorum, uh, but then the attacker has changed it to say, no, nah, that actually now you've earned, it's now I have that other key instead of who mm -hmm. you thought had it. And therefore they're going to now there's like a blackmailing possibility, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one was around collaborative multi-sig. So it's this idea of multi-user support because I guess in practice, let's say, you know, the two, so we, between the three of us, we set up a two of three multi-signature and we are storing a lot of Bitcoins on that. And we want to be careful to never have all three or, or at least two of us in that same, with the, with the hardware wallet in the same room, let's say. Uh, so we want to be able to collaboratively, let's say I can sign it just the first signature and then I could pass it to one of you to do the second signature. Can you tell us a little bit about that flow? What does it look like and how does it work in Spectre Desktop? Yeah, so this is basically uh, two features which uh, kind of complement each other but are essentially different. So first of all, collaborative uh, multisig, uh, you can basically import and export the PSBTs, the Bitcoin transactions uh, you're doing. You can import wallets uh, from others. So for example, you send someone your XPUB and they're creating the, uh, the multi-sig wallet and you can import it into your Spectre. Uh, then you can just start creating uh, a PSPT uh, and then sign it on your side, send it to the other party to sign um, yeah, and collaboratively manage funds. Uh, and with multi-sig support, you can do this on the same Spectre instance. Uh, instance multi-user so, multi-user support yeah multi-user yeah sorry so the multi-user support uh what what it is allowing you is just have multiple users on the same specter uh, server so if you want to share it in like a family office a small company or just with friends and family uh who don't know how to set up a bitcoin full node or something uh so you can just do this uh for them and share the instance with them uh, or in a small company, you can manage funds together on the same instance. Also wanted to chat about multi-signature standards because up until now, it doesn't seem like there's any one unifying or well-adopted standard, if you will. I think there's, you know, Electrum is a well-known one and some of the other uh, providers are sort of using something similar to that, but it's not quite. Um, 
Do you want to just comment a little bit on the current state of play there? What does it look like in terms of multi-signature standards and what's needed? Uh, yeah, so what is really surprising that there is uh, not so many software that uh, supports multi-signature. So like all normal uh, software wallets that just assume that you use one key and that's it. Uh, yeah, so that that is pretty unfortunate, but uh, yeah, good to see that there are now projects that add multisig. So on the uh, standard side, uh, there are standards for quite a while already. Uh, how to uh, create multisig addresses, like how to sort uh, public keys there, and uh, how to. Um, uh, how to manage all that, uh, and also what derivation paths to use. Uh, and uh, in that sense, on the base layer for developers, everything is already out there, everything is standardized. Uh, so what is uh, what was missing is uh, just the support from the software. Um, and uh, multisig itself is pretty tricky, especially on the hardware wallet side. Uh, so as Ben mentioned, uh, hardware wallets need to verify uh, the change addresses. Uh, and um, it depends on the wallet how exactly they uh, they do it, because basically you have a situation where uh, you have multi-signature addresses where you have only one of multiple keys. Uh, and uh, there are like uh, different uh, ways to handle it. Uh, some wallets uh, are stateless, like Trezor and Ledger, for example. Uh, they don't save anything in there, uh, only like the recovery phrase uh, or like the master key and nothing else. So they don't save any information about the multi-signature addresses. So in this situation, in order to verify uh, that uh, you are... Uh, yeah, your, your transaction has a change and this change is indeed going back to the same setup, uh, you need uh, additional information about your cosigners. So in particular, you need XPUBs of your cosigners. And then the wallet can uh, verify that, uh, okay, yeah, this is uh, actually the change address. Um, other wallets like uh, Cold Cards, uh, Spectre and Kobo and Electrum, uh, they actually save the wallet. So first, before you start doing the transaction, you actually need to uh, kind of import the wallet into the device. And then the device can verify that, okay, yeah, I know this uh, this setup already. I know the cosigners and so on. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, this uh, all this information in principle doesn't matter if you are stateful or stateless hardware wallet. Uh, it is all included in the, uh, in the PSBT already. Uh, it can be included in the PSBT. Uh, so we, in Spectre Desktop, we just uh, make sure that all the hardware wallets receive all the information that is necessary. Uh, yeah, one note uh, regarding the hardware wallets, uh, Ledger is probably the only one that is uh, uh, decreasing the security of the multi-signature setup if you're using it there. So I would say that Ledger is better to use in the single sig setup. Uh, just because they don't do any verification for um, change addresses uh, if it is not a single SIG. In terms of backing up and so on, let's talk a little bit about what you need to back up for a multi-signature setup. So how, how does it work right now with Spectre Desktop for a backup? 
so we are using uh, descriptors from Bitcoin Core, and Bitcoin Core descriptors actually contain all necessary information about the multi-signature setup. So it includes the XPubs of cosigners, the derivation paths, and also the script type. Either you use a native segwit or nested segwit. Uh, so in principle, just one simple string is enough to recover, uh, to generate addresses and recover your wallet. Um, and um, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically nothing else. Uh, so just a descriptor. One other point that uh, just came to me from as well from my earlier chat with some of the Electrum guys, Ghost43 was also pointing out how many Bitcoin wallets today, other than I, I believe Bitcoin Core, do this thing where they've got a receive address chain and then a change chain. And then they, they, they respectively have different output descriptors. So what, what's, a, what, what's it look like uh, in Spectre Desktop on that? Uh, well, basically the same. Uh, so uh, the idea is that uh, you have this uh, XPubs of cosigners, and then you uh, derive it with uh, zero index, and then the kind of just index for receiving addresses and one and uh, index for the for the chained addresses. Uh, Bitcoin Core doesn't use it for the default wallet, but it can use it for uh, wallets uh, that you import when you provide the corresponding descriptor. And uh, well, they don't use it for the default wallet because they always use a hardened derivation there. So if you are using this uh, standard um, default wallet that is created when you launch the Bitcoin Core, then you cannot have another uh, software that is watching these addresses because in order to generate new addresses you actually need private keys so this is the only problem but it also uh, is a little bit well more secure i suppose uh, on this on that side uh, like hardened and not hardened derivation has certain trade-offs uh, in sense of security but yeah, you don't have to use the uh, default wallet that is created in Bitcoin Core. You can uh, also just import the private keys and specify uh, that you want to use this uh, standard way uh, with uh, receiving and change um, indexes. And just on the hardened derivation versus non-hardened derivation, at least my understanding there is Bitcoin Core's developers have, I guess, gone for the slightly more secure option of having hardened as the default whereas i believe most other bitcoin wallets are using unhardened derivation and that's like a usability trade-off would you say that's a fair summary there or how would yes. you modify that yeah yeah it is very uh, very precise uh, description of uh, what's going on there yeah. and uh, i would personally also do the trade-off uh, to the side of uh, non-hardened derivation here, uh, just because uh, I personally want to have a watch-only watch only wallet as well. So I uh, don't want to touch my private keys very often. I see. And I guess in practice, somebody might use that if they want to regularly, right, if they're regularly accumulating Bitcoins and they want to be able to, you know, uh, monitor that and generate new addresses. That's where, say, the watch-only um, function is a bit easier with a non-hardened derivation right or non-hardened um, pathway right yeah yeah and one other point around this whole like around multi-signature and standards i know with electrum there was some discussion that made it a little bit difficult 
historically to get cold card to work as part of a multi-signature with other hardware wallets. And as I understand, that was to do with knowing what the root fingerprint was. Can you elaborate on that idea and whether that applies within Spectre Desktop as well, or how are you dealing with that? So I think the problem uh, there was that uh, Electrum uh, doesn't store uh, fingerprints, root fingerprints, uh, or doesn't provide root fingerprints by default because you don't uh, really need it. Uh, so it was uh, and it is in the PSBT standard. So when you are providing the derivation path for for your cosigners, uh, you actually, uh, or, or for the device, you actually encode it as a fingerprint and then the derivation path. Uh, and uh, it is used to uh, detect which of this uh, derivation paths to use. So it is more like a cross-compatibility uh, issue between Electrum transaction parsing and PSBT uh, transactions. So um, I don't think that it is related to like uh, actually uh, verification or security issues. Uh, it's more like uh, compatibility issues between standards. Yeah. Um, and also you were touching on output descriptors earlier. So that's like a one way of describing the the wallet type. And you've mentioned you're, you're looking to use that natively. So what sort of uh, features and things are possible with output descriptors? Why is that a good idea to use? Uh, so output descriptors, uh, basically it is another standard that is adapted by Bitcoin Core and hopefully will be adapted by the rest of the industry. Uh, that uh, allows you to just having this output descriptor to derive addresses, uh, however many addresses you want. Uh, so yeah, it uh, simplifies the backup uh, mechanism and recovery mechanism uh, for complicated scripts. And the most important ones are actually the multi-seq uh, addresses, multi-seq uh, descriptors. Uh, sorted multi that is like more standard uh, but also in principle you can uh, include their custom script and what uh, would be really really awesome if we get a mini script support there uh, so uh, I think there are plans to include uh, mini script to kind of combine mini script and output descriptors. Uh, and then uh, with the same language, you can actually specify not just uh, single seek or multi seek, but you can also uh, have a pretty complicated policies, for example, uh, that include uh, time walks or uh, some additional backups, uh, keys or policies like uh, either two of three or or uh, four or five that are different keys. So basically something more involved and more complicated. Uh, and that would be nice to have. And uh, I think that uh, we are getting there. So I already saw the pull requests uh, that include Miniscript uh, into Bitcoin Core. But, you know, Bitcoin Core uh, and big changes take time. Bringing it back to that question of in practice, then what does it look like for a backup? So other, I know, for example, with Caravan, if you want to do a backup, they have, I think it's like an export of a JSON file and that JSON file, .json, I think it stands for JavaScript object notation. Um, but anyway, that JSON file contains the XPUBs. So what what does, I, so I guess then the user who has created the multi-signature, they have to basically just make sure they keep a backup of that on a USB stick somewhere and so on. What does it look like for Spectre desktop? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have like um, the, the, mini, the minimal backup is basically um, what um, 
a term we, we borrowed from uh, fully noted and blockchain commons, uh, an account map, which is basically like their own format, which they use uh, and we integrated it into Spectre as well. So it just stores like uh, a title, uh, the descriptor um, of the wallet and uh, the like uh, block of the uh, birth of the wallet. So when you created the wallet uh, the or when the first transaction is made in the wallet, uh, you also add that. So this is just for uh, to make rescan faster. So you don't need to rescan the entire blockchain when you want to import it uh, again to some wallet. Uh, you can just rescan from the first transaction. Uh, so yeah, we support this format like the the minimal uh, exporting method. Uh, but also we can you can like Spectre itself is using uh, some more information uh, just which is not necessary. I mean you can import just from the account map, but uh, you can also do this. Um, from the more uh, rich format, which is also JSON of, of Spectre, uh, which you can just download again from, from the UI, from the settings, uh, like a full backup of all your devices and um, wallets. Um, but yeah, and we also of course want to make it interoperable with more like with Caravan and others uh, so that you can back it up uh, in other softwares and uh, not just uh, as a file. Um, yeah, and fully noted, for example, you can just uh, scan a QR code. You don't have to download the JSON. You can, but you don't have to. Um, yeah. But the QR code actually contains the JSON inside. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In principle, the minimal, uh, the minimal amount of information that you need is uh, XPUBs, uh, number of signatures required, uh, and type of multi-signature. Well, it's normally sorted multi-signature. Uh, so uh, Caravan is providing this very minimal information. Uh, you can include more if you want, uh, but it is optional. More of a broader comment. So in the industry over the years, I guess most people have been operating on single signature because maybe they've been, uh, for whatever reason, it's been technical or they've been scared about you know, moving their setup and stuff. And so they would have been coming from this mindset of, oh, if I've just recorded my 12 words and the passphrase or my 24 words and the passphrase, that's it. And I can understand uh, perhaps the concern of someone like Thomas Vecklund from Electrum. His concern was something like, oh, you know, we want to have the backup be easy for people uh, so that they only write down these words and that's it. They don't need to have like the words and the derivation path and the you know and then all of a sudden now we're coming back into now only technical users know what to do so i'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that idea um and uh you know is it basically in your view then is the practice going to be going forward that let's say multi-signature becomes really popular everyone does it does everyone just get into the habit of saving the json file is that basically what we have to teach people as well not necessarily. There are standards for uh, derivation paths for multisig. So if you are not a techie user, you are probably using default. Uh, and uh, then you can just have this uh, a few sheets of paper with the, uh, with the recovery phrases, with this 12 or 24 words. Uh, and then if you want to recover, you just need to remember, uh, was it two of three or one of three uh, or something like that? Uh, so already order is not important. So it's not important um, if like uh, 
it is one, two, three, or one, three, two, uh, and so on. Uh, derivation paths, if you are using defaults, will be derived automatically. So in principle, yeah, just having three sheets of paper uh, with your recovery phrases uh, is enough. Uh, if you are more technical, then you can uh, go further and use like uh, uh, additional accounts and um, custom derivation paths, and then you need to recover uh, using uh, more complicated procedure and JSON files probably, but then you're already uh, pretty technical. So I would say that uh, at the moment, if I remember that these three recovery phrases were used in my two or three multi-stick, then I can recover it. I see, yep. And so then really the main concern then is just if a, let's say a non-technical user, and this is not really relating to making it easy, I guess, it's more just if a non-technical user has done say a two or three setup they've lost one of those three hardware devices and they didn't have the seed backup for that device then if they didn't have the json file backup they would not be able to recreate and spend with only two of the three keys which they might naively think oh i only need two keys right uh, yeah, that's true. So uh, that is actually a good point. I didn't think about that. So if you lost, if you've lost one of these seeds, uh, and you don't have uh, any software already uh, set up, or yeah, if you completely wiped everything and lost one of the seeds, uh, then you have a problem. So then probably it is better if you have some kind of uh, PDF that uh, prints out all, all information like uh, pub public keys uh, as well. Uh, but maybe uh, for the backups, as people tend to put it on paper or something, uh, it would be easier to have something like uh, not a JSON file, but maybe a PDF or some human readable form. Yeah, I guess that's one other point as well, because if people are coming from single signature world, they're just thinking, oh, just write down the 12 words or write down the 24 words. But if it comes to the point where someone has to manually write out an output descriptor, that's probably getting a bit much right so i guess these are just things that people have to think about when they're doing backups right yeah yeah multi-signature in that sense is a little bit more complicated but but it also improves the security a lot right so like uh, exponential increase in security and linear increase in complexity of the backup yeah yeah so i guess it just means as an industry and uh, you know for for listeners who are out there trying to teach their friends how to use bitcoin well they've got to make sure they save that backup file and so on so that that way the you know the, their friends are protected and, and so i think the other interesting part about spectre desktop is that it seems to me the focus really is just multi-signature right whereas if i compare with something like electrum it's got you know it's they've got lightning they're doing like they're doing a bunch of other things along with it whereas i, I see it like spectre desktop is focused a bit more onto multi-signature only so I guess arguably that means we are reducing the attack surface and trying to only do one thing well, would you say? Um, so yeah, I think first of all, uh, we're, of course, we're also supporting like single SIGs uh, for hard wallets. So if you want to use it with, with your passphrase or just as a single SIG, you can do this too. Uh, but yeah, we try to like, uh, first of all, we try to minimize like everything that is going on uh, on our side. So we don't even like have a, a crypto library which we're using. We're using Bitcoin Core currently for basically doing all the heavy lifting. Uh, so we don't have like a very critical code which needs uh, like very uh, thorough testing. 
because we just offload uh, whatever we can to to the battle-tested Bitcoin core. Uh, and yeah, we just focus on making it easier to use. Uh, basically, we, we're trying to, to minimize that uh, the attack surface, which uh, Spectre adds on top of using just Bitcoin Core as, as a command line tool. And in terms of user experience and you know user interface, what's the feedback been so far on Spectre Desktop? I think like at least, first of all, um, like considering the fact that both uh, Mintz and uh, Stepan aren't like designers or UX experts at all. I think this, we did like a fairly good job. Uh, I think I think the like the UI is pretty convenient. Like personally, when I just onboarded um, myself and when I like checked with other users, like we got very good uh, feedbacks. Uh, there are always some things to improve, uh, and I think especially what is confusing is importing XPubs. Uh, so when you need to import the pub keys, uh, especially from AirGap devices, in order to create uh, uh, wallets. So this concept is quite confusing, especially to uh, to new users uh, who are not so familiar with that, and we we are still thinking on how to simplify it, uh, but. Uh, Compared to, to like command line and even to Bitcoin Core uh, UI, I think we are already like very convenient and got very positive like feedback from from users uh, who onboarded like themselves and also just their uh, less technical family even. So I think we're doing pretty good on that. And if if anyone who listens to that happens to be like. Uh, an open source uh, designer. Uh, we're really, really happy to like to get help on that. Yeah, I would say that at the moment uh, the interface is becoming a little bit too busy. So we are adding new and new features, new options, uh, more things. So uh, we already have plenty of buttons everywhere, some weird tables and so on. Uh, so uh, at some point we need to uh, uh, take a step back and uh, rethink the uh, the UI. Uh, but um, there are also other, always other things to do, like bug fixing and uh, making sure that it is reliable and fast and so on. Uh, but uh, I, I'm personally pretty pretty happy with the interface. Uh, yeah, it could be better, but it works. For sure. Uh, so where would you say, where to next for the project? One important thing that I uh, am really missing is replaced by fee. So uh, at the moment when the fees on the Bitcoin uh, blockchain are going crazy up and down uh, orders of magnitude, yeah, sometimes I see that I send a transaction and I need to wait for a day, uh, but I was just trying to refill my phone, for example, or something. Uh, and uh, I would like to be able to bump the fee. And Bitcoin Core uh, supports this, uh, but there are certain uh, problems with implementing that inspector at the moment. So that feature would be really nice. Uh, another one that is really, really awesome and also I personally want it uh, desperately is a proper uh, support of the prune nodes. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I personally run it, as I said, on the uh, very cheap VPS server that only has like 25 gigabytes of storage. Uh, and at the moment, if I'm importing an old wallet, uh, I can't really do it. So I need to like re-download the full blockchain for that. Uh, so uh, supporting the prune nodes is already uh, another very nice thing. And 
bug fixes uh, because yeah, more people have started using it and we have a wide variety of platforms that we need to support and test. So like Linux, uh, oh my God, Windows, uh, Mac, uh, and also uh, ARM Linux. Uh, so all this stuff uh, is pretty complicated, but uh, and uh, sometimes we, 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 we face some bugs, but we will fix that, yeah. And yeah, on the future, but maybe you can uh, also continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're now working on finalizing the desktop app, uh, which should make it much easier to, to set up, like as easy as any other uh, desktop app, I believe. Uh, I think like generally we have like uh, probably the most like versatile uh, hardware wallet support, but I think like as more companies uh, create more hardware wallets, uh, more options are available, we will want to add uh, as many as possible. Uh, another thing I think will be really cool uh, is mobile support. So right now you can use, you can like set up uh, Spectre uh, as a server on like on your machine or your laptop or anything and access it for mobile, but we have very bad UI uh, for small screens currently. So maybe in horizontal mode, you could use that, but it's not really proper support. So I really hope we will have some uh, better uh, mobile support in the future. And besides that, uh, we just, yeah, I hope it will be much more uh, stable. Uh, we're currently like, as, we, as more users are being onboarded, uh, I guess uh, new new bugs are kind of uh, arising and we, we need to take care of that every time. Uh, and they become like stranger and stranger. So like something which happens on a very specific uh, type of machine, which we didn't like uh, check uh, ourselves, which we don't have, for example, or something. Uh, but I think we're handling that uh, pretty pretty well. And I hope that it will be much more stable uh, in the future. Um, yeah. Besides that, I just I just hope uh, to onboard more users and uh, just grow up the the community of the project. Yeah, it would be nice also to have a few more contributors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Of course. Uh, one other thing that just came to my mind now as well. So some of the so I guess just thinking about when you're maintaining your setup, uh, some of the guided multi-signature platforms such as, you know, Casa or Unchained Capital, they have a concept of like a key check or a health check where you might periodically go and check that the key still works, that there has been no bit rot or things like that. Is that something you would look at uh, building into Spectre Desktop? Uh, how exactly does it work? Maybe I didn't quite understand I think I think it essentially signs a message to check that the key mm -hmm. is still intact. Yeah, you can always like create a test PSBT, for example, without actually sending it. You can always like verify addresses on your like on your device to check that the private key is matching. Uh, you can verify also the like old addresses, the new addresses. Uh, you can all see them on the device to check that the device uh, private key is matching, basically. Uh, and you can always like do test transaction. You can always like sign transaction without actually propagating it. Uh, so just uh, save it or delete it, uh, whatever you want. You can manage like pending transactions. Uh, 
while pending might be confusing. So just transactions which you created in the past, you can save them for later. Or if it's a test, you can just delete it after you finish signing with everything. Uh, so we could maybe add some like uh, more uh, easy, easily like as a health check, but I think you you could just use the do like a very tiny uh, PSPT and then delete that uh, after you're done. Yeah, or just send the transaction to yourself basically mm -hmm. without broadcasting it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's another idea. All right. Well, I think those are the key points I wanted to touch on. If listeners would like to find you online, they would like to contribute, where's the best place for them to find you guys? Telegram group, I think. Yeah, we have yeah we have the Telegram uh, support channel uh, for the community. Uh, we have uh, the GitHub page, which uh, users can just open issues if they want. I think, but I think we are mostly available on Telegram. Like we respond there the fastest. Um, and I guess like if anybody prefers like privately, like my DMs on Twitter are open, but yeah, I think uh, the telegram is probably the, the best. Excellent. All right. Well, I'll include those in the show notes for listeners. So Stepan and Ben, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 205. And I'll see you in the Citadels.